Hello, and welcome to 13, the bi-weekly podcast where we ask questions of Colgate University community members. I'm your host, Daniel DeVries, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming to the studio Casey Tylove, who is an associate partner at Robert A.M. Stern Architects, also, also commonly known as RAMSA. Now, Casey joined Ramza in 2015, and her current projects include acting as project architect for the Raceland Murphy Museum of Art at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, she's working on a new building for the McIntyre School of Commerce at the University of Virginia, and she's also working on renovations to a museum in Columbus, Ohio. At Colgate, Casey has contributed to the design of various projects on campus, including Benton Hall, uh, and she's contributed to the university's third century plan as it relates to the redevelopment of the middle campus and the lower campus. Casey previously served as project manager for master plan work at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts, the second phase of a 789-bed North Campus housing development at Marist College, a 517-bed South Academy Street Residence Hall at the University of Delaware, and two new 452-bed residential colleges at Yale University. Casey received her Bachelor of Architecture degree from the University of Notre Dame, where she was the recipient of the Ralph Thomas Solit Award. Casey is a registered architect in the state of New York and is a member of the Institute of Classical Art and Architecture, where she teaches a variety of classes and workshops. Welcome to 13, Casey. Thanks so much. It's great to be here, and thanks for thinking of me. Absolutely. It's exciting to talk to someone who's done so much work on our campus, and I think so many of our students and faculty and staff and alumni have um, come to really marvel at some of the new construction. So it'll be it'll be really fun to talk about uh, all of those things. Oh yeah, I feel I feel like a like I should be a Colgate student, or I should have had some sort of honorary degree at this point. <laughs> it's been seven years, essentially. You know, since I started my my work at at Ramza, um, so it's really it's been a, a wonderful home for me. Well, maybe we can maybe we can start there. Uh, go back seven years and uh, talk sure. about your you know your first project on campus and what you did. Sure. Um, so I started on the Benton Hall project, which was um, coincidentally our first project at Colgate um, as as architects. Um, we were happy to happy to be brought on um, by Brian Casey because of his um, our experience with him at DePaul University mm-hmm. at the Hoover Dining Hall. So um, he brought us on. I think relatively, you know, as he was a new president at Colgate. We were new architects at Colgate. Um, so it was a, it was um, sort of fun jumping in and figuring out the dynamics of a, of a, what was to us a new university. Um, and uh, my, my first work at Colgate or at, at the Benton Hall was really, you know, I was a relatively junior architect. So I was really in the weeds with uh, drawing details um, figuring out, you know, the mechanical systems and how they relate to the to the building envelope, and um, learning a lot about sustainable design and um, the way that Colgate's campus um, embraces sustainability. Um, so it was a it was a huge learning project for me. Um, and as a as a project on, on a campus, it really was a, a sort of gem to to work on because it's, you know, we work on 
a huge range of, of buildings and in their sizes. And Benton Hall is really a, a sort of on the smaller scale of a university building. Um, you don't often see universities committing to projects that, you know, or are somewhere, you know, it's an 18,000 square foot building, which is two stories and a relatively modest footprint. Um, but it's a really big program in terms of what it symbolizes for the university and where it sits on campus. So um, it was really, as we, we called it a gem throughout the, the entire design process because you get to really craft it in detail um, and think and be really thoughtful about every every stone placement, every window placement. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun and I really, really was um, sort of deep into the details with that project. Yeah, and for folks who don't know, Benton uh, Hall is the home of our career services uh, and also the uh, grants and scholarships uh, offices are in there as well. So there is a lot of important work that's happening in there. Um, now that building was finished in 2018 um, and also won some awards, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we, um, we won the, well, we were awarded LEED Platinum, which is uh, the highest level that you can get through the LEED certification process. Um, LEED being one of the leading, <laughs> pardon the pun, uh, sustainable, um, uh, sustainable certifications that you can get. So um, the, the building was actually designed in a, um, you know, sustainability was the backbone of the design for for a lot of our approach, and and we pers we we went through it in a sort of passive house um, approach, which is uh, another type of another way to categorize sustainability, uh, and it's a lot about reducing your energy use um, and reduce and reducing the sort of long term life cycle of of the things that you're doing. So. Um, it's, it was really went very well hand in hand with the style of the building hmm. um, and allowed us to sort of bake in very sustainable practices to a design of a building that might not, you might not look at and say like, that is a, you know, solar powered, what, you know, <laughs> it doesn't scream sustainability from the exterior, but um, it's a, it's, it's, you know, very sort of highly ranked at one, I think the New York uh, Green Building of the Year um, uh, recently. So we're just really proud of that, of that project. Um, so before you started working uh, on a Colgate building, did you come to campus? Were you trying to get a feel for the architecture at Colgate? Tell me about the process, like what that learning process is like, and also maybe um, how you think about Colgate in the context of universities nationally. So it's... Um, sure. Uh, yeah. 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 So um, Colgate as a university is really special in that it, it has this sort of deep history, which many schools do. Um, it, it's nestled in, in the, in the foothills there. So you have this sort of arrival moment when you, when you, are, you know, you're, you're driving through farmland and you get there. And so it has this very pastoral quality, which, um, you know, schools, you know, it's not, it's nothing like an urban campus like Yale, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so it has its own unique character, just, just from the get-go and very big picture. Um, it's also, you know, it has a sort of intimacy to it, to its scale, because it is a smaller school. Um, but you have a really intact and strong historic core of buildings, you know, the main quad, the residential quad. Um, that's a, it's a powerful statement. And it, and 
when you arrive, it's it has a sort of weight and the heft to it. Um, and you know, arriving your arrival sequence really starts you know along Oak Drive and all of the sort of um, the lowlands of Taylor Lake. Um, so it's it's a really powerful sort of impactful campus for being so um, you know re relatively small compared to other universities. Um, and our process uh, with every campus when we get to know it is to definitely spend time there and and really fully document um, every every building of historic significance, um, every new building, understanding the direction that the university is headed. Um, you know, our our approach is is deeply contextual. We're very context based, so we look at our neighbors, um, you know, very thoughtfully and and have a pretty rigorous approach in that regard. Hmm. And it's funny because if you do drive up Oak Drive and if you were to drive past the Benton uh, Benton Hall, um, you might think that it's always been there, right? It, <laughs> it, it fits in with the other buildings. Was that your charge to try and to try and uh, design a building that would seem like seamless, like it's always been there? I think you know it's 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 a great question, and I we. I've, it's it's not always our charge, you know. It it really depends a lot on the on the design and what the sort of intent is of the building and what what the what the client looks for. So, for this building in particular, it's right at the at at your front door for that sort of arrival sequence. Um, you know, new students coming are you know driving up Oak Drive, coming to the James B. Colgate building, mm -hmm. and then starting their campus tour. So we felt it was really important to have this building signify the sort of weight and the history and the heft of, of Colgate University. It's also seated. It's, it's, a, it's funny because it is such a small building relatively, but it's doing so much for, for the siting. So you have, you have your Oak Drive, which is a very prominent uh, front door corridor on the low side. And then on the high side, you have the main quadrangle, which has Memorial Chapel and Haskell Hall and and, and all of the, the sort of uh, north-south bounding buildings. Um, so it was really important for us to be sensitive to that context, um, welcome folks both from the Oak Drive side and from the quadrangle side. Um, so you have this essentially this two-sided building that's trying to do a lot uh, with a with a little with a little footprint. Um, so the siting for that building was really critical, um, and having it feel like it was really an extension of the of the quadrangle symbolically um, was a big part of the design process. You talked about uh, it, the, the building itself winning um, awards for sustainability and having sustainability kind of at the heart of the design. Curious if there are specific things within that building that you're super proud of or that were kind of new either to Colgate or to building design in general in terms of sustainability. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this building does a, a great job of sort of showing off what um, – but sort of the sort of understated sustainability um, quality that a building can have. So, so the the design principles for a building of this type of sustainability really require a tight building envelope. Um, so, envelope being, you know, if you were to drop a pen at the base of the building on the exterior, and you draw that pen all the way around the exterior of the building, up on the roof to the edge, and then back down. 
Um, anything you touch there is, is your building envelope. So it's your enclosure. Um, so that goes all the way from, you know, windows to, to sills to, to headers. Um, so, so having a tight envelope is the first critical step. Um, having those walls be really insulating um, is also very critical. So you can essentially have a very low internal demand for heating and cooling because you're, you don't have the air leakage that you have in very typical construction through the walls. So, so part of the sort of technical detail and development was getting that really thick wall that we needed getting, you know, we have six inches of rigid insulation in the wall cavity, which is a ton of, <laughs> of, of rigid insulation. The, I think by code, you're required to have like two and a half or three. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, we doubled that up. Um, we have a triple pane glass windows, which, you know, typically you have two or in older buildings, you see one. So again, that's that sort of super tight envelope that allows you to really reduce all the loads within the building and allows for that 100 year building to have such a low footprint um, in terms of energy usage. Um, so we're, we're really proud of executing that, executing those technical details. Um, and we started, you know, drawing those details back in concept design, schematic design, which are really early phases of the project. Uh, we worked hand in hand with an envelope consultant early on that allowed us to really to have great dialogue between, you know, I learned a lot with this with this consultant that actually Colgate champions. Um, so it, it felt like a very collaborative process with a very clear mission um, all the way throughout from a sustainability standpoint. One thing I'm always very curious about too is how many different looks did that building have before you settled on where it <laughs> is today? Like how many rounds did you go through until people were comfortable with with how the building looked and felt on campus? Yeah. Oh gosh, a uh, hundred. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not just it's not just showing it. You know, back and forth with Colgate, we do we did a lot of internal vetting. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's the fun part of the design. It's the stressful part of the design because you don't know where you're headed, but you have, you know, the, the, the schedule, you know, marching on behind you. So, um, we had, we had iterations where the building was shaped like a T and iterations where it was shaped like a U. Huh. Um, and we ended with a very straightforward, you know, a, a bar building, which is actually, you know, very, very contextual looking at the rest of Colgate's buildings. But um, yeah, there's a lot of back and forth, you know, many, many sketching sessions. Um, Brian was, Brian, President Casey was very involved throughout all of that, which was lots of fun getting to know him and his, his tastes. And um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, when, once we, once we nailed it, we, we, we ran, you know, we sort of hit the yes. ground running. So we, you know, we found the arch on the, the quadrangle. We found the sort of two-story treatment on the Oak Drive side and I, and um, the career services side, which is the, I guess, the west face with lots of glass. Um, so we found our sort of primary um, goals there and um, and then we're able to, to sprint forward. But it's definitely a uh, it doesn't always feel like a linear process, that design period. <laughs> well, great results in the end is yes. what matters. Um, and then shortly thereafter, you folks helped with the construction or the design of 
um, Burke Hall and Pynchon Hall, the two new residence halls, yes. correct? Um, yes. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that process and also if there were um, things that were learned during the creation of Benton Hall that were maybe applied to those buildings. Yeah, so we, um, that was a lot of, that was, a, a, we were able to start those two projects sort of simultaneously with Benton Hall. So, so we were at one point designing all, they were all in the design phase without any broken ground, um, which was really great because we could sort of go back and forth, reuse details that we knew would work, sort of make some adjustments, adjustments for things that we knew uh, needed tweaking. Um, but the, the Burke and Pynchon design um, challenge was finding a way to first of all, add the amount of beds that were needed, which was really critical, is very critical for the for the freshmen and sophomores uphill. Um, and finding a way to make those feel like they fit on the on what what has a relatively tight exposure on the, the residential quadrangle, um, which is you know right parallel with the academic quad. Um, so we we worked through a number of um, design iterations with those two buildings. Um, and ultimately, I think we're really proud of the sort of big landscape move that happened with those two buildings because all of a sudden the, the shape of those two buildings and the way they face each other and interact with each other, you've created essentially a third space for campus that still feels like campus and feels like an extension of campus um, and really helps to sort of shape you know, essentially a third quad, um, the space between. So um, that I think as a, as a design move was a lot more, you know, we had a lot more to work with in terms of space making and, and campus making, um, which was again, a, a lot of fun to do. So um, yeah, those two projects. Are, and, and again, those, those two projects, just like, um, just like Benton Hall had some really critical sustainable features um, ultimately landing on uh, LEED Gold certification. Um, you can sort of track the energy progress or energy usage within each building at the ground floor. So there's a bit of like a competition between the two in terms of, you know, who can get their energy down more, which is a lot of fun. And then obviously showing off those features um, and educating folks about that is is important for universities. So what are the challenges of building on the campus, uh, particularly, I think, up above the, um, the the previous residential quad there? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I presume there's a lot of stone. Is, is it difficult <laughs> to dig out? I mean, what? Uh, I guess, what were the challenges in building those buildings? I, and also, oh. Yeah, I actually don't I, – I, I'm trying to remember. I think there was a lot of fill happening, actually. I think we had – there was a big pile of dirt that we were able to – pull from somewhere on campus and place there to help sort of build up that quad. If I'm, I, I might not be remembering that correctly, actually, <laughs> but, right. um, but yeah, we, we cut into rock all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's part of the charge with working at, at Colgate. <laughs> do you, I, I bet. Um, do they, do you, um, Wondering about the stormwater management too and how that plays into a design when you're building, <clears throat> I want to say essentially above the existing campus and, and how you yeah. think through that. Well, I for the that's where the the building siting comes getting into play a lot. So the buildings themselves, as you as you can see when you look at them, they face perpendicular into the hillside. So the stormwater, the water that comes down during a storm 
it has much smaller of a face to to hit up against Mm -hmm. if you flip that building horizontally all of a sudden (laughs) you have you have water rushing into the back of a building and it has nowhere to go so that was another part of just sort of thoughtful building placement and finding ways to track that but but stormwater is obviously a huge issue at Colgate because of because you're on a hill um it's this beautiful hill um so so the campus has actually done a lot in the last um, decade to improve the stormwater conditions from, you know, a sort of infrastructure standpoint. Um, that's a huge part of the middle campus work that um, is under construction right now is is improving the stormwater conditions. And that that obviously helps with ecological issues um, across the board. So um, every uh, I commend Colgate for every built project that happens, there's something being done to improve the the way that water runs across campus as well, which is it's just a huge um, important issue. One of the other things I wonder too about is when these buildings are designed, are you selecting, does the architect select the materials that are going to ultimately be used in the building? And do you, are you looking to choose things that are more locally sourced to improve the sustainability of the construction? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of, you know, aside from certification, that's just a big part of working with the idea that you, you should be in, be in context with your neighbors. So from an exterior standpoint, there was a very high bar set um, for materials that, that we were able to start with. And honestly, that's one of my favorite things about working with universities like Colgate, where you, these, you know, the university is going to own this project forever. You know, this is not a building that gets passed off to somebody else Um, you know, not a typical developer project. This is a project where the university has a real stake in the long lasting, um, you know, nature of the building. So that goes all the way down to materials. So using real slate that, you know, you can replace over time, but you only have to do every, you know, 40 to 100 years (laughs) um, using, using, stone masonry like we have um the the colgate bluestone um is a really another sort of critical piece of that using true copper for cupolas and for eave conditions on the roof so all of those sort of natural materials that are locally found the the stone these days is coming from uh sort of the middle of pennsylvania which is you know might sound far but is actually pretty close when it comes to where where we typically source materials from so all of that's really integrated into the idea that we are building in a place and of a place um and sort of critical for the exterior and then and then for interiors as well um we are looking to always you know with with each when especially when you go after a, a, a sustainability certification or follow sustainable principles there's a checkbox on each material that gets submitted by the contractor to say, is this within X amount of a radius of the campus? Um, so that's integrated to every piece of, you know, every piece of material that goes into a building. Can you talk a little bit about how we think through the residential experience, um, particularly uh, in Burke and Pension Hall, and how that played into the design too? Thinking about how we're going to have seminar classes uh, on the first floor, and and uh, you know any other kind of quality of life improvements for students. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, Burke and Pynchon really helped, um, along with all of the other sort of more recent renovation work happening on on upper campus, really helped to, the goal was really to reinforce the common system, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, I think, a wonderful way that Colgate is choosing to create community uh, among first and second years um, and beyond. So that, you know, breaking, breaking a student group into a smaller um, module of somewhere between 200 and 250 students where you can actually, after a couple of years, you sort of get to know everybody. Um, that's that the, the common system, which came obviously comes entirely from you all, um, we could really reinforce with the design of Burke and Pynchon. So you have the opportunity to live and learn in community with, with the students um, nearby. Uh, so that... That I think is a is a really wonderful aspect of the the residential life experience that Colgate's just continues to improve um, for first and second years. Can you you mentioned cupolas, so I feel like I need to go there. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> talk, can you talk a little bit about Colgate's I guess architectural language and sure. the ele- the elements that have been here for a long time that you feel are really important to be represented in the new construction? Absolutely. So. Um, it's Colgate is really unique in its architectural language. We, we, we came up with a term that we use in the office. I think it's a stoic Georgian or a sort of tough Georgian (laughs) architecture. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a, you know, you've got this, these, these, these rugged looking, you know, boxes, essentially the sort of form and of mass of, of the Colgate that have prominence and you don't, you know, you don't have profiles and, 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 you know, crazy details at every corner that, that you might see on a, you know, full Italianate building or full Georgian building, but they're really concentrated around those, the places that you interact with, like your building entries or your windows um, that you might, you know, look out from within. So it's a really um, sort of economical, or I guess maybe not economical is not a great word. It's a a really sort of thoughtful way of looking at at where does where to spend money on your details. So you have you know a, a, a relatively straightforward, simple approach to your typical you know windows, and then at your main entries you see columns or you might see pediments or things that make you feel like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to enter the building. Um, so, you know, little details like that, details like cupolas, um, those all sort of contribute to the Georgian. And it's Colgate's not a Gothic campus, which is honestly for someone who works on campuses a yeah. lot and has like, you know, a lot of interaction with collegiate Gothic, which, you know, comes from Oxford and sure. over over to, you know, um, to Yale and all sorts of other prestigious universities in the States. It's really refreshing to work in a different language a bit and to, to get to know it in a thoughtful way. Um, so that's, that's our sort of baseline working from this sort of stoic Georgian language. Um, but, you know, depending on where the building sits on campus, we've been able to interpret and, and make, you know, subtle modifications that uh, reflect a lot more about context and, and, and the use of the building as well. Hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, the middle campus and 
you know, I know we're currently in the middle of construction for the Benton Center. Um, yes. And I know that they're right now digging and there's all sorts of steam pipe work, so I won't get too much <laughs> into that. But uh, Olin Hall and the expansion there with the Ho Mind Brain Behavior Initiative, um, that is coming along. And I know um, folks are very curious about what that building will be like when it's done. So That's, I wonder if you can yeah. talk a little bit about that and also um, – kind of the interdisciplinary nature of the philosophy behind that update and I guess ultimately the, the Benton Center for uh, Arts and or for Creativity and Innovation. Absolutely. So so both of those buildings, which um, I, I'd like to say that Benton Center is currently under construction, even though all you see is steam pipe work right now. <laughs> They're also going to be drilling some massive geothermal wells into Whitnall Field very soon. So, um, yeah, that's that's so both of those projects are under construction. Olin is a bit further along in its uh, path, but um, they both really, I think, do a, a wonderful job of showing the direction that the third century plan is headed uh, that really, really, or the third century plan has has set us in, which is a, a interdisciplinary approach to, um, you know, a truly liberal arts education. So um, the whole the whole project, the Mind Brain Behavior Initiative, um, is a thank you <laughs> is a what's uh, uh, it's funny. It started off as an HVAC problem. Right. So that's the mechanical systems. This building, um, you know, it's it's had uh, two, a, a significant addition over time. First building from the 70s um, and just need, need, was in vast, dire need of, of a mechanical upgrade. Um, but as, as the sort of design and sort of energy went into looking at the programming of that building, um, and with the with the gift for the for the um, addition and the sort of significant programming shift to this interdisciplinary work uh, came sort of a, a, a rethinking of what that building could be. So all of a sudden you have opportunity to um, make some really significant changes. Uh, for example, right now the building you know, or before it was under construction, the building had a faculty essentially tucked behind their labs. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you, as you walk through the building and experience the building, you're, it's essentially an endless corridor, a lot of really important lab and science spaces, and faculty are essentially nowhere to be found, or you know can't be found, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is which is um, you know doesn't really encourage that what I think the Colgate culture is, which is um, you know the the opportunity for collaboration sure. and learning and, and interacting. So. Part of so the addition on the backside of Olin is really pulling faculty out of their lab spaces and into a more collaborative zone where you have um, offices off of an open space that allows for students to spill out and interact with their faculty, have have meetings and open open atrium, um, and really bring bring some natural light into the building as well, which is um, really important for just health indoor indoor and quality of life um uh in general so so there's there's a lot of great things that's one example happening in general there's the about half of the labs are being upgraded and renovated uh to essentially have um have these interdisciplinary components to them so you have um new new psychology labs and 
um, new study labs for, um, you know, uh, testing testing the, the, the impacts of narcotics and things like that. So it's a, it's a really advanced and um, sort of science heavy program that's getting a sort of state of the art upgrade um, within, the, within the bones of the building. Olin or, and now the whole mind brain behavior uh, center there is um, a really big building. And if you're looking at it from the quad, it looks like it might be small, like a, a one story building, but it's really almost 40,000 square feet. Um, can you talk a little bit about the design work that was done inside? Uh, I know that the rear of the building is going to be opened up, but what about the other parts of the building? I know that, um, in my previous experiences of walking through there and talking with faculty, it was almost like navigating a dungeon labyrinth at times. And you didn't, <laughs> there weren't even windows uh, in spaces. So yeah. I, I, how has that changed or will it change once the building uh, is yes, completed? I think the goal was to, to, the goal was to try to eliminate the rabbit Warren feeling of that building as much as possible. Um, there are some things that you are essentially, you know, bound by. I think um, there, the fact that, you have so many, it is such a heavy lift of a, of a science and laboratory building. So you definitely need those program spaces. Um, but what we were able to do um, was really, was with the, the backside of the building where you're essentially opening up opportunity for light that you never had before. So there'll be a light filled atrium at the end of your uh, view when you walk in the quad side oh. of of Olin Hall. So you have that opportunity to, you know, while there is, it's still, you know, we, we didn't shrink the building. <laughs> we only grew it. So it's still going to be a big and, and impactful um, experience. But um, we we tried to put a little light at the end of the tunnel there. <laughs> okay, that's nice. Um, clean up some of the circulation. Um, and I noticed with I noticed with the construction going on now, there's a giant crane that's been there for a few weeks. Now, what is the need of a crane? Of I mean, this crane is enormous. Um, the yes. president has alluded to it on a couple of uh, speeches now. Um, yes. That especially there needed to be a light on top of it because it's so tall. Yes. Um, so planes don't fly into it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess why do you need such a big crane? What What is that? Uh, so that, what I, that is serving? That is part of the the heavy lift of the mechanical upgrade that's needed. So there's uh, a lot of rooftop equipment that's getting replaced, and there's no great way to get to it other than from the outside I of see. the building. Um, so there's a lot of uh, sort of removal and sort of re-threading the guts of the building, the things that you might not, you know, usually find a way to celebrate. But this is... This is a monster of a project for us in a in a exciting way. We think the end product's going to be wonderful. You're going to have state of the art, um, state of the art uh, science science facilities, um, and all the we're getting all the bones right. We're even you know we're replacing all the windows. Um, so that goes back to the sort of where we can. We're trying to do things that um, have a sustainable approach. So new windows mean tighter envelope mean. Uh, better, better functioning and more efficient internal systems. And being an old building that underwent uh, a couple different renovations through the years, I understand there were surprises along the way. Yes, yes, people liked asbestos at some point. <laughs> so, so, so we're, you know, those are those are the surprises that you 
you put a you put a budget for uh, you know and when you're working through the design that budget tends to shrink because you need a little bit more money here and there but then obviously when big when big things like that happen we um we reassess and and realign our priorities so uh, a lot of good cleanup is happening in terms of um uh building systems and and building health um but yeah the, you, the, those hiccups are bound to happen also when you work with existing buildings you have to deal with um, existing, you know, you have to find a existing, uh, you know, floor levels and understanding where the floor is. Hmm. Um, you know, you're not starting fresh and able to sort of set the floor and then work up from there. Um, so those have been, you know, verifying infield conditions has been a huge lift. Um, and of course, you know, you can, you can do all you can when, before you touch the building, but as soon as you start to pull it apart and see what you have, to actually work with, you're always going to find things that weren't drawn correctly or didn't weren't documented correctly. So it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I feel for the folks that are, that are in the weeds with the design with that one. <laughs> uh, I want to uh, jump, jump back real quickly to um, the Benton Center for Creativity and Innovation and the work going on down there. You had mentioned geothermal wells going in. Yes, so 30. 30. 30. And yeah. <laughs> those those won't just power or heat that building, not power, to, to heat that building or cool that building. Will they also attach to other buildings in the middle campus? And when I say middle campus, for folks that don't know, I'm talking about the area um, between uh, Dana Art Center and the Case Library. So what we've done is set up a path to, to continue that geothermal field uh, essentially through all of Whitnell. So Whitnell makes for a really great nearby source for geothermal energy. Mm -hmm. um, so the first the first 30 wells that are going in will serve the Benton Center, um, but we have planned the remaining, the sort of remaining utility upgrades, all the other things that have to happen underground to allow for that field expansion with all the future work to, to happen on campus. So the goal is to really um, sort of set the set the right framework now um, and extend that throughout, which is a you know sort of a nice alignment with the way the Benton Center is being the first move of of many to happen in the middle campus. Oh, very cool. Do you have anything that you would like to talk about that I didn't touch on? Oh gosh, there's no end to the amount of things that we could talk about from Colgate. I mean, I the 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 lower campus is a really exciting. A project, a really complicated project that we're working on with the university right now. Um, you know, that's that's a huge move to uh, sort of improve the the quality of life for juniors and seniors on campus, and mm -hmm. so it, that's a really big, really long project that um, that we are sort of definitely in the weeds with right now in terms of planning and figuring out the first moves. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, not not a lot of, of not to show not a lot to show for it right now, but uh, sort of stay tuned for that. Um, and then I'm I'm really excited to see where the middle campus um, ends up. I think we together with with faculty from computer science to the arts to uh, film and media studies, um, we're able to set a really I think inspirational path forward for for middle campus. And um, I'm really excited to see the work um, sort of come to life. Uh, it's a it's a really fun part of campus. You have 
architecturally, you have one of the oldest buildings on Colgate's campus, James C. Colgate. And then you have Dana Arts Center, which is, you know, you either love it or you hate it, but it's, it's, a, it's historically, you know, it's a Paul Rudolph building, who's this really um, sort of important brutalist architect. Um, and so you've got this total disparate um, language happening and, and the Benton Center is the bridge between the two. So um, that as a sort of architectural problem was a lot of fun to, to work through. Um, we think we think we did a pretty good job with it. So we're excited. We hope that others think so too. Um, and, feel, and we're excited to see that happen. I, I feel like an episode about Paul Rudolph and uh, brutalist architecture is its own episode uh, on oh, another, yeah. another time. That, Cause that's a very fascinating building and you're right. It's polarizing. Um, totally. people, people either love it or they hate it. And uh, there's yeah. not a lot of middle ground there. Yeah, um, absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of really exciting um, sort of big picture site moves happening with that, with with the middle campus. Um, it's a lot of it was about connectivity. So you have, you know, this this idea of the ravine, which is the space between Ryan Studio and uh, the Dana Center. Um, so that is getting that's part of the sort of big stormwater stormwater infrastructure effort. Um, but the idea of that serving as an actual physical connection down to the middle campus is a really powerful move. Um, and I think part of the sort of connectivity and, and, and sort of bringing the arts to campus in a way that they haven't been before. Um, uh, so that, that I think is a really big site move and, and also finding a way to create usable outdoor space in the middle campus um, is was a big part of our charge. So the Benton Center is really setting up um, some, I think, kicking off some some really big campus connectivity moves, um, which will be really exciting to see in person. <laughs> well, Casey, you've, you've made it to question 13. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I always ask something kind of fun at the end. And I'm curious as an architect, um, if you have a favorite building that you draw inspiration from, and it doesn't have to be at Colgate. It can be anywhere, and it doesn't have to be a college campus. But if if there's a certain oh. a certain design or a certain building that you just absolutely love, and maybe it's influenced your work, or maybe you just see it as a source of inspiration, I'd be curious as to what that may be. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I got. I have to say. I'll start with the Colgate building, which is Haskell Hall. Ah. Um, that, that is like, talk about gems. Like that yes. is a, a very special little building on, on the main quadrangle. Um, it has this Romanesque quality to it. So I mentioned the sort of the, the stoic Georgian is what we said most of campuses, yeah. but your oldest, oldest buildings, Haskell Hall, James B. Colgate, those are, those are Romanesque and those have this, a really beautiful mix of material. Haskell has the the bluestone and the and the brick sort of incorporated and woven in. So that as a as a little gem within the main quad, I would say, has been a bit of a a bit of a sort of every time I look at it, my heart flutters. <laughs> sort of moment. Um, and if anybody's worried, it's not going anywhere. Like we love <laughs> no, Has no. we love Haskell Hall. We I will I will I will um I'll. What do you, you can't, I guess you can't chain yourself to the tree there, but <laughs> <laughs> if that ever comes to question, I'll be there first in line. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, a, that's, that'll be my answer for that. All right. That's a good one. Well, <laughs> Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really fun. 
absolutely. It's always fun to talk about architecture, especially on a campus that has such great architecture. So thanks for taking an interest and great to, great to talk to you, meet you. Great. And we'll have to have you back on uh, when there's more construction done around here, which won't be sure. very long now. So, <laughs> Sure. Uh, Can't be very long. <laughs> You've got right. big plans. <laughs> uh, t- tell your friends and family about the podcast. If you have any questions, send them to 13 at colgate.edu. That's 13, the number. And until next time, keep asking questions. 13 is a production of the Colgate University Office of Communications and Events. Episodes are recorded on campus in Lathrop Hall. Executive producer, Colgate Vice President for Communications and Events, L. Hazel Jack. Producer and host, Dan DeVries. And audio production by Brian Ness. Learn about all the happenings at Colgate at colgate.edu, colgatemagazine.com, and colgateresearchmagazine.com.